0: Gustavus and she is originally from Michigan and now is at Utah State University where she is a student and works on microplastics research and they, she focuses on the transport of microplastics and current gaps in the proposed microplastic cycle. She's going to be coming well actually via a panel on a Zoom discussion to the Mankato area for a movie screening and community discussion, which is upcoming. We'll talk about that. But first, let's meet her. Good morning, Macy. Good
1: morning, Karen. It's great to be here today. Really excited to chat with you.
0: Well, me too. Now, you're doing a lot of research on microplastics, and coming from Michigan, it's probably near and dear to your heart because you are from the Great Lakes area.
1: Absolutely. I feel like growing up in the Great Lakes region and growing up on a lake um, that is near and dear to my heart. I've gotten to see pollution firsthand and moving out to Utah, that was a really big focus for me. How can I bring my past into my present research and how can I make the world a better place?
0: Now you come from a lake not one of the Great Lakes, but one, you said it's the greatest lake to you. Talk about where you came from. And so maybe some people have heard of this.
1: So I grew up in a small town in Michigan called New Baltimore, Michigan, and that is located right on Lake St. Clair. Um, it is between Lake Huron and Lake Erie, which are both Great Lakes um, and near the city of Detroit. So if if anything, people would know what where Detroit is. So I've gotten to see how Pollution can impact our waterways firsthand, being around a lake growing up. And then in college, I was lucky enough to be an environmental science major at a university that focused on local environmental issues.
0: Was that in Michigan also? Then that it says Oakland University. Is that a Michigan college?
1: Yes, that is a Michigan college. (laughs) I got my degree in environmental science from Oakland University with a specialization in environmental health. So pretty much that is a degree in public health, but it also takes into account how we interact with the environment as humans um, and the impacts we
0: can have. You are currently pursuing an MS in Watershed Sciences. I didn't know that was even a major, but you're doing it at Utah State University. What exactly is that?
1: So in the Watershed Sciences Department here at Utah State University, we have a wide array of different research projects and studies ranging anywhere from fish physiology to modeling of hydrologic or like water regimes and flow regimes to biogeochemistry, which is pretty much the study of how nutrients travel throughout our earth and specifically in the watershed sciences department, how that interacts with our watersheds and the places we get our drinking water from and rivers and lakes around us. I fall under the biogeochemistry umbrella of Watershed Sciences here at Utah
0: State. But it says specifically you're studying microplastics. What are microplastics and why should we care about them?
1: That's a great question. Microplastics have been all over the news lately. I'm sure mm-hmm. so many people listening today have heard at least of their existence. So microplastics essentially are tiny, tiny pieces of plastic that sometimes you can see with your naked eye, and sometimes you can't. So a good way to put it is microplastics range from the size of a red blood cell, so something that you can't actually see with your naked eye, all the way to a piece of plastic that is the size of the top of a push pin. So they're really, really tiny, and they come from the breakdown of Other plastic products, so whether that be plastic bottles and bags in the environment breaking down into smaller pieces or pieces of plastic that are made to be microplastics like nurdles, which are the beginning point of all plastic products, or from microbeads that we see in some paints or sandblasting tools, those are all considered microplastics.
0: Now, it's interesting. I didn't really think of that. The only thing I had in my mind when I was thinking microplastic was from pollutions, from things breaking down in a landfill, perhaps, or just plastics thrown around. But actually, some are purposely made to make other things, it sounds like, of the little teeny plastic pieces. Are they an issue? Are they a problem? How are they becoming a problem?
1: So microplastics travel in the environment similar to other nutrient cycles, except for they're a new type of cycle. So it's a novel material cycle, kind of similar to the water cycle. So they can travel in wind and in water all throughout the Earth. We've seen microplastics in rain and in the deepest parts of the ocean. So there's really no place that's safe from these tiny plastic particles, and my study specifically is looking at how microplastics are transported and where they end up in inland water bodies, such as rivers. Specifically, I am looking at the Logan River in Logan, Utah, and how microplastics here are traveling out to the Great Salt Lake.
0: When did the issue of plastics become a problem? I mean, initially, I'm sure they didn't even think about it.
1: Originally, in the 1950s, we started producing plastics on a larger scale and on an industrial scale. And there's a, an article in Life magazine that talks about throwaway living and the convenience mm-hmm. of having plastic plates in plastic cups and how this can make our lives so much easier mm-hmm. because you don't have to wash the dishes or you can take these cups out and just throw, like, out into a picnic and throw them away later. So it was so much easier to live with these single-use plastics. And as we've progressed through time, we've learned that these materials are starting to pollute or not even starting. They've been polluting our environments. We started to see microplastics in about, goodness, there are microplastics in shrimp samples back to the 1960s. So they've been around for quite some time but they've just now kind of burst onto the scene as this pervasive pollutant that is in every corner of the world, whether that be in the Grand Canyon or even in our lungs and our blood. So while it's been an issue that's existed for since they've been produced, we're only just now getting into microplastic research as a field and seeing how plastics really affect us as humans.
0: Is the majority of it from industry like you mentioned using it for different maybe whether it's sandblasting or paints or things like that the major originator of this or is it from people just throwing away plastics or where is it all coming from
1: That's a great question. So taking it back in history a little bit in 1950 we were making about 2 million metric tons of plastic per year. But as we progressed as a society as of around 2018, 2019, we were making about 381 million metric tons of plastic per year. And that brings us up to a grand total of about 8 billion tons of plastic. And to oh. put that in perspective, that's that's about 8 billion elephants. And oh. you're not going to see that at any zoo. No. So no way. So plastic has kind of boomed as Not only a really solid industrial material, something that we can use in hospitals and in manufacturing, but a lot of the plastics that we see and where we kind of run into a problem is from single-use plastics, Mm. so plastics that you maybe use once or your food comes in some sort of packaging and we throw it away into the landfill. So that's where we've kind of run into a problem with plastic is that it's an everyday use kind of thing, but you only use it once and it's, in your mind
0: it's gone. Is the biggest <laughs> problem in the ocean? Is it in the farmland? Is it Where are the problems resulting from this plastic being everywhere?
1: As I mentioned before, we see plastics all over the earth. You can see plastics. I think most notably people discuss plastics in marine environments. So in the ocean, plastics from on land or from carrying containers that are taking garbage across the ocean end up into the ocean. And we're seeing large patches of garbage in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. So plastics in any sort of environment, whether it be in the ocean, in freshwater resources, or on land, um, have the ability to make its way into our bodies and the bodies of other organisms. So whether that be through inhaling them when we're breathing or ingesting them while we're eating, when organisms consume microplastics as in place of food, they may experience starvation or lack of nutrients because these tiny pellets aren't food. It's it's a synthetic product with no nutrients, so that can eventually lead to health effects. Mm -hmm. You can see possible cell death with the introduction of microplastics, so their mechanical abrasion may lead to cell death or other issues related with that.
0: So if we are ingesting this stuff and it gets in our bloodstream, do we know how much we're ingesting each year? Has there been any studies on that to know how much maybe is in our bodies and how much we can handle before we get very sick? So the health effects of microplastics on humans or many
1: organisms are relatively unknown at this point. Oh. Um, there's a lot of studies out there that are exploring the health effects of microplastics, especially on humans. There was a statistic floating around for a while that you eat and inhale about a credit card's worth of microplastics each week. Um, But this has been updated and the credit card's worth of microplastics is kind of the high end of microplastics you would see somebody consume. And the estimate is now more around a half of credit card or a little bit under half of a credit card, which is still a considerable amount of plastics. So we're consuming these at an alarming rate regardless of it's, whether it's half a credit card or a full credit card. But we consume them because plastics are all around us in our homes. They're in the manufacturing process that gets our food to us. They're just about everywhere.
0: Are they harming us? Do they get digested or do they eventually, like you said, we just don't really know?
1: There are a lot of theories on what microplastics may be doing to our bodies and the bodies of other organisms. But as I said recently, we are still learning about these, what these particles can do to our bodies. And that's pretty much the best way to put it. There's still so much to learn, but there are so many studies that are happening that are telling us what could be happening. So
0: So. it's not, but it's not good generally. (laughs)
1: It's generally not good. I think as far as eating microplastics, the theory is that most of them pass through our body and kind of make their way out. But as far as inhaling microplastics, that could be a different story. And again, still under investigation. There's lots of studies out there trying to figure out what this might mean for our lung health, our gut health, and just overall well-being.
0: In a bio that I read of yours about you, it said that you have actually intensified your efforts to find alternatives to plastics in your everyday life based on some of what you've seen on your research.
1: Absolutely. It never hurts to take a step back and look at where we're using plastics in our everyday lives. I personally have made an effort to take plastics out of the kitchen. I think it's That is one of the best places to start reducing your plastic use. As I said before, eating around half a credit card's worth of plastic each week, you definitely (laughs) want to minimize your risk to doing that. And as far as macroplastics are concerned, so any plastics that are bigger than microplastics, You don't want to be microwaving your food in these containers because they have the ability to leach chemicals Uh that could lead to possible reproductive effects in the future. There there are known carcinogens or cancer-causing agents in these plastics. So doing your research about what kind of plastics you have in your kitchen is important, but avoiding plastics altogether Uh could be useful for your health. So I've personally tried to minimize my plastic use in the kitchen, I've reduced my plastic use in the, the, the bed, bathroom. Um, I've gotten rid of any of my vinyl or those plastic shower curtains. I've switched to bamboo toothbrushes. There's a whole bunch of stuff you could do to reduce plastic in the home.
0: Yeah, Macy, could you give me some more ideas? Because some of those, I you know, I hadn't really thought about my vinyl curtain because they do get yeah. gross and people do throw them away after a while. But the bamboo toothbrush, something I hadn't thought about. What are some other ideas or things that you have done that maybe other people can take away?
1: In the kitchen, I've gotten rid of most of my plastic containers. So your... Um, Tupperware containers are a good place to start switching those out for glass containers. Um, any plastic utensils, switching that out for metal when possible or bamboo utensils.
0: What There's do you use for, other for garbage bags and things like that? Because, I mean, it is so convenient to throw your garbage in a, a plastic bag.
1: Yeah. So I think that plastic is a really useful material. And sometimes it's really hard to replace that material. And also, if you already own plastic Tupperware, there's no reason to throw it out in a frenzy. There's ways to use that Tupperware that would be less harmful to your health. Like instead of storing food in plastic containers, you can store crafts like embroidery thread in plastic Mm -hmm. containers, or you can donate it to the Goodwill so somebody else can use it. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. First and foremost, something that's already made um, should be used, and it's not really worth throwing it in the garbage, but it is worth being mindful of how you're using it. As far as garbage bags are concerned, unfortunately, I haven't found a really great Mm. replacement for this. I don't know if there is a garbage bag replacement, but if somebody out there knows, (laughs) I'd love to hear about it.
0: Now, you are going to be part of this movie screening. Have you seen this movie? It's called The Story of Plastic. It's a virtual movie viewing coming up here in Mankato from April 18th through the 30th. It says, View at Your Convenience. And then they're going to have the virtual community discussion on May 1st at 3 p.m., which is where you're going to be involved with. So have you actually seen this movie, The Story of Plastic?
1: The Story of Plastic is an excellent film. I absolutely love it. I think it does a great job at capturing the plastic problem we have as a whole, as far as industry and how plastics are made, where plastics end up once they're kind of at the quote-unquote, end of their life cycle, and the truth about recycling. They talk about a lot of really surprising things in this movie that you never would have known about plastic if somebody hadn't brought it to life. So I think it's a really great film, and I would encourage everyone to watch it. I, I think it it's a good snapshot of the problem that we have as far as plastics and single-use plastic is concerned. <laughs>
0: Now, your research, you're talking about a river down there in Utah. But, of course, we have the Minnesota River here in Mankato, the Blue Earth River. We're called the Bend of the River community because those two rivers meet here. And, of course, the Mississippi River is in Minnesota. So when you look at those big rivers, what should we be aware of and how those plastics are traveling there? Where are they coming from? How are they getting there? And and where are they moving to?
1: Yeah, plastics get into waterways and any number of ways. I think the way that people could identify with most or relate to the most is plastic pollution. So sometimes you see plastic bottles, plastic Mm -hmm. bags, and other products out in in gutters or in the street, and those can easily blow into waterways where they kind of get mixed up with sediment and with some other chemical processes, and that can break those types of plastics into microplastics. Wastewater treatment plants are a large source of microplastics to waterways. We're washing our clothes and showering and using the bathroom and sending all of that water to one place where plastics kind of congregate or microplastics congregate and end up. And most of these plastics are caught in what we call biosolids. So essentially, once all the waste we put into wastewater treatment plants is broken down, we get these biosolids. And that's pretty good at holding in a lot of that microplastic pollution. But about 1% to 4% of the plastics that end up in these wastewater treatment plants and get sequestered into the sludge, about 1% to 4% of the microplastics that ended up at the wastewater treatment plant, get discharged into local waterways. From there, they can settle into sediment or travel further downstream to wherever the next reservoir is, like a lake Mm -hmm. or the
0: ocean. So there's
1: a lot of places that microplastics can end up, or a lot of times we believe that microplastics are ending up in the sediments.
0: And then I suppose then that impacts, like you said, the the wildlife or things that maybe consume that or how, somehow get that in them and then the whole chain, it's the whole chain of life and it intensifies as it goes up the food chain.
1: Yes, absolutely. Fish often consume microplastics thinking that these tiny particles are food, but they actually aren't. And instead of getting the nutrients that they would get from algae or from bugs, they aren't getting any nutrients, and eventually that can lead to them starving to death or to other health effects, including effects on their reproduction or on their intestinal
0: systems. So it's just a bad story all around. Have you discovered or are doing any research on the impacts of any of the life in the water that you're investigating down there in Utah, or are you just more studying how the it's transported?
1: I'm mostly studying how it tr- it's okay. transported okay. and I have like a personal interest in the toxicology of microplastics. But yeah, I am not currently studying that. In wastewater treatment plants, mm-hmm. all of those plastics that end up there, out of all of that, about anywhere from 96 to 99% of those microplastics get stuck in this this substance called sludge. Yeah. Um, and the sludge is is composted and broken down typically into something called a biosolid and the agricultural industry often uses these biosolids as fertilizer. So this is one way that we think that microplastics may be ending up back into the environment whether it be from a tractor driving through a field full of biosolids and kicking those plastics and that dust up into the air where those plastics get into the atmosphere, or when water runs over the fields, that plastic is dislodged or the sediments end up into the water and back into like the greater watershed and the river. So yes, biosolids do have a really high concentration of plastics and this could possibly be affecting how plants grow. Microplastics may be impacting how the fungi that interact with roots grow and the microbial communities that support plant growth interact. So there's a lot of ways that microplastics can affect agriculture and your home garden, if you're using it in your home garden.
0: You have joined the Beyond Plastics movement as a volunteer speaker. What is Beyond Plastics?
1: Yeah, Beyond Plastics is a wonderful organization headed by Judith Ank, who is a former regional administrator to the EPA for President Obama. She has kind of dedicated her life to fighting the plastic problem, fighting plastic pollution and single-use plastics, and has created this really great group called Beyond Plastics out of Bennington, Vermont. And the Beyond Plastic movement is based on fact. They do a lot of research and release reports on how plastics affect us as humans and how plastics are linked to climate change. They do a lot of great activist work in supporting bills across the country that minimize our plastic impact and pollution impact and just an all-around great community that is fighting for great things.
0: And of course, Mankato has Beyond Plastics, greater Mankato area. We've got the organization that's sponsoring this upcoming movie screening and community discussion of which you'll be a part of. And again, the the virtual community discussion is May 1st at 3 p.m., and it's a way to talk about developing local actions to address plastic pollution, and you will be a part of that. What can people expect to hear from you, Macy?
1: Yeah, we'll just be discussing different aspects of the plastic problem and of plastic pollution. It's going to be myself and Gray Traskell. Gabe yeah.
0: Traxel, who is a social activist in Duluth and has secured the success of the Duluth Ordinance to put a fee on plastic bags, which is kind of an interesting concept, too
1: we'll just be discussing different aspects of the plastic problem. I believe Gay will probably be answering a lot of questions about plastic activism and how we can reduce plastics in our communities and on a local level. And maybe a little bit of the science side too will come out in the conversation with myself and the other participants. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with the folks of the Mankato area and learning more about plastics together.
0: Macy Gustavus is a researcher at Utah University pursuing an MS in watershed sciences, focusing on the transport of microplastics. It's been delightful to chat with you. All your experiences talking will look good on your resume, too, so I have no doubt you're (laughs) going to do well in the business.
1: Thanks so much. I appreciate that you reached out, and it's been really
0: great chatting with you today. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union.